What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. And we have a special guest with us today. We have a yoga instructor, entrepreneur, brand manager, uh, overall awesome, awesome person. I think uh, it's a pretty nice profile. Uh, Mariah Purley, thank you for coming. Yes. Hello. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, when you sent me your information about the podcast, um, I've been asked for like, my personal experience as someone of um, color in the Maritimes, but for like different articles or different programs and things, but I haven't really um, seen any podcast specific to the topic. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty specific. And this is for black people by black people <laughs> to kind of understand what the mind comes from. So uh, tell us about yourself. How did you grow up? Uh, where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in Ontario. Um, so I was frolicking around until I was 17. And then I uh, moved to Newfoundland to work and go to school. So my background is in business marketing. Um, and it's Newfoundland. So there's not a whole lot to do. So I got bored. Um, and then I moved to Halifax. And I lived there for uh, a little over six years. Um, I'm back and forth now between uh, Toronto and Halifax, but Halifax is, I would consider my home. Um, so yeah, I started my business about seven years ago and um, it's changed and fluctuated over time. Um, and as you said, like I do, I do a range of different things um, for different companies. Um, right now I'm really focusing on design uh, graphic design, um, obviously brand development for different businesses locally and internationally, um, as well as my clothing line and my uh, sound album as well. Nice. Now, uh, I, I'm going to try to put this on video because I, I, I don't put a lot of it on video, but I, you have a very cool background. Uh, so I, we can see that the arts go in there. So what part of Ontario did you grow up? Uh, was it Toronto? Um, so I was born in North York, so Scarborough, and then I grew up in Whitby, Ontario. Um, so very quiet <laughs> suburb. Um, and the reason why I moved from uh, North York to uh, Whitby is my dad sort of decided it wasn't the, the best place for his three girls to grow up. Um, so we moved something somewhere a little bit more um safe um and a little bit more chill so <laughs> yeah so scarborough for those of you who don't know it's uh it's one of the places it's close it's in toronto but it's one of the sec like the suburbs of toronto or the boroughs of toronto uh and uh yeah there's a there's a high dense of uh, minorities there and there used to be, or there still is a, a little bit of crime there. Uh, I'm not 100% sure how is it now. Uh, Whitby, uh, is it, how far is it from like the the, the Grand, Greater Toronto area? Um, I'd say about 45 minutes to an hour with traffic. Um, so it's a, it's a little ways, it's enough, it's enough. We're close enough to get the downtown uh, vibe, but far enough where you're um you're in the quiet so 
So you were, you grew up with three other siblings, two other siblings other than yourself. Yes, I have two sisters. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you know Ontario is more diverse than we'll get to the Newfoundland part because that's what's Newfoundland is definitely a, a, a particular place of its own. Uh, but before we get there, like Ontario is very diverse. I mean, it, it's there's more diversity than the Maritimes for sure. So how was school like, or how was like a uh, living in Whitby? Um, I would say like I I think I did JKSK in grade one and two in um, Scarborough. Um, and it was like just me, my sisters, and like one other person were um, a darker skin tone, everyone else was Asian. And then when we moved to uh, Whitby, I would say more diverse for sure. Um, but it was still, you know, <laughs> it was swimming with BIPOC or anything. Um, but it was definitely um, more introduction to, to different cultures and things. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the parts that we we emphasize here, that when we emphasize that um, Canada says it's a melting pot, that's, that's, that's the quote unquote, like, oh, we're a melting pot. But really, we're not really. It's like it's Ontario, Greater Toronto Area, Montreal, Vancouver, like the biggest cities, you will see that. But uh, once you go to Atlantic Canada or Peterborough or Niagara or places like Saskatchewan, that there's not much diversity going on there. Uh, it's a little bit more. So it seems to me like like, yeah, you were you were exposed to uh, diverse, even if they're not like BIPOC, but at least Asians, Arabics and stuff like that. So what made you move to from 45 minutes of the greater Toronto area to an hour to an island, pretty much, uh, uh, Newfoundland, and uh, Newfoundland. Like, what made you move there? Um, at the time, the the population of people in my demographic, um, there was a lot of us. So it was really hard to get work um, because you're fresh out of high school. You don't have any experience, but then you're trying to work full time in order to save to go to school. But that doesn't really exist when you're fighting against like a million other 17, 18 year olds. Um, so I decided to um, move to Newfoundland. So I'm mixed. So my uh, mom's side is native and Caucasian and my dad is Jamaican. Um, so I used to go to Newfoundland every summer to visit family. Um, so I had so I have family in Newfoundland. Um, and so I decided, well, everyone's old there. This is my thought process at 17. Everyone's old and dying. So I'm sure they're going to need people to do things. <laughs> so I moved there um, and I actually got a, like a full-time gig, a full-time and a part-time gig within like two weeks of me existing. Um, so I, was, I got promoted pretty quick and I was assistant manager at a clothing store. And then I also worked at um, Sobeys, but then I was offered more hours and then I just worked full time at a clothing store. Um, and I did that for two years and then I went to school. So now you're in St. John's, which is the biggest. Uh, no, I was in Corner Brook. So the second largest city, which is not that big at all. <laughs> yeah, population, I think, in Corner Brook is around 60,000, I think. 60,000, I think, is the whole population. And in in St. John's, it's like 120,000, something like that. So, uh, so okay, so you are familiar with the area because you're, you've been there before. So it's not super strange. But, you know, you, you get you need to realize it's a smaller place. Uh, 
you're probably maybe one or two or three people of color there, maybe five. So, so you, you had friends and things like that. So what was the adaptation? Like, like you've been there before, but you never lived there. Like, like this was yeah. your life. So, so what do you think were the biggest challenges when you, when you were living there, like as, as your, as your place um, of like, home, I guess. Like <laughs> all hills and winter is like eight months of the year. So like, <laughs> and you're on the ocean too. So the weather component of the wind and the hills and the snow like that, like that's not my vibe. Um, so that was pretty rough. <laughs> um, that was really rough. Um, I would say that. And also um, it's, it's natural for you to be tokenized or um, just known in a small city when there's literally only, I think I only saw like two other BIPOC humans. And then I saw like a family that I knew that was just like, visiting or running through and it was like it was hilarious because I looked like I saw like the the mom of the family and it's like we made this eye contact of like hello <laughs> like just making this recognition of like we both exist in this moment <laughs> um I definitely like built um a larger capacity for like the weird shit the weird things that people say because they have they don't know the difference um and like if a lot of people had never seen somebody of color unless it was on like tv so just obviously like as someone a person of color especially during the winter my hair is changing a lot because you know the whole the whole thing of protective styles and all that kind of stuff um and then wearing your hair curly and it's just like you do feel a little like i don't know like a a foreign alien from a different land um, sometimes. But I feel like because I'm a mixed human, um, I kind of like built up how to exist in different spaces depending on um, what majority of the de demographic was. Because like when you look at family photos of when we go to my mom's side, it's like very obvious that we're the black kids, you know? <laughs> and then, but when we go and visit my you know, dad's family, then it's like, oh, we're just a little bit lighter, you know? So it's like, I think my child brain kind of like prepared for these moments of being in places where you're like, you know, one of three. <laughs> yeah. Especially when, when you're a woman that the hair subject comes a lot for women more than, than anybody else. But let's go think of like, you you just said something you said, like when you, when you know that you're BIPOC or black, was that ever when did you realize that? Like, was that ever shown to you while you were a kid at school? Did somebody point it out to you? Because I always say nobody realizes that they're black till somebody that's not black tells you that you're black, and you're like, oh wait, you're different. Like, no, 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 wait a minute. Like, you're 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 here, but you're kind of not here. Like, somebody makes you show that. Did you ever had that experience, or when did you realize um, it? I think because it was a very obvious contrast between my dad and my mom. I always knew like I was a mix of two different things. And I was like, I was aware that, um, that I was both in regards to like your child mind of like black and white. And that's the only two races that you like really have an awareness of when you live in that um, environment until you see other people. I would say like, I didn't like, I didn't really know that I was like that much different until I remember, I think I was like 
seven and I went to Newfoundland and my nan specifically lives in like a town of like 200 people or less so it's very very small um and I remember there was a boy that I was playing with and like he got mad that I was doing something and he called me the n-word and like I didn't even know what the n-word was I just knew that it was always used in a negative way and I knew that it had something to do with color so I just knew that it was bad so I like remember running back and telling my nan of like this kid said the n-word or whatever in reference to me so then that was like my that was like a negative experience of knowing like I am very different compared to um, everyone in this specific place Um, and I think after that it wasn't really a focus on um, me being black it was more of like the tokenized mixed girl that was that's been most of my life and then as an entrepreneur in the business space I would say um, I get categorized as black because obvious of my features and things um, so like if there's a if I need to you know be called in to consult other um, BIPOC females or in in business or there's a you know event or whatever it's like I'm automatically put into the black space because it's easier for everyone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's easier for everyone except except for us, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, it's easy for everyone else except for us because I feel like, and and I've been in those situations myself, right? That I've been in the situation that I get categorized and put into black, and I'm like, uh, dude, like, I I I'm I'm as knowledgeable as, as everybody else. Like, I it doesn't have to be like, uh. For me, especially with technology and stuff like that, I'm like, I am completely capable of being with anybody, black, white, Asian, whatever you want to call it. But all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait, he's black. So he should go with the other black people. <laughs> so, so, so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, like, like again, I, I can definitely understand when you're coming from the, the categories because I, I can tell you, that from experience and and by talking to people such as yourself, it's like nobody really is into in their heads like, oh, I'm black. No, nobody's in, no, no, no black person is saying like, oh, I'm black. It's only when you get mentioned it, when it, when it happens, when situations happen to you that you start realizing that there's a problem and not even a problem. There, there's somebody else, particularly white men that come and say like, oh, wait, and you're like, and then you kind of realize it like, oh, okay, uh, I can see why this is happening, right? Especially especially in the in businesses, it's 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 very, very particular. And and as a woman, which like I I was going to say, like women of color have it harder than men, like men of color do have it hard, but women have it hard because like you get questions about your hair, like which is ridiculous like and and i'm gonna ask you that like particularly when you're somebody that changes your hair you can you know you you your text is different uh what is one of the things that you like one of the comments that you personally don't attract to or or you feel like it's kind of weird commenting on especially when it comes to women's hair like what what was the weirdest situation that you ever had regarding those those things um i would say that the top question is like, is your hair real? And I'm like, 
does it matter if it's real? Does it matter where it goes? <laughs> um, so there's there's that question. And it's like, obviously, sometimes you can obviously tell um, if it's not, like, you know. Um, so there's that thing or the, um, I know this is like, um, I know there's a lot of memes and stuff about it where it's like people ask or they don't ask to like touch you or touch your hair. And I'm like, why is there like a go pass <laughs> for people to like touch your hair if it's different? So that's also like a weird thing. Um, and then I would say, um, I don't have to do it now because I run my own ship, but like when I was younger, like when I was in my teens, it was like, eh, like I had to, I had to plot my whole like hair routine based on like what interview I'm going to do for a job. So it'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to wear my hair in curls in this way. Cause that's like ethnic, but like not too ethnic. <laughs> and once I would get the job, then I could put my hair in braids or then I could put my hair just because I didn't want it to like distract from who I was or my capabilities so I had to like um schedule what I was going to do with my hair around certain stuff because like okay well I'm applying here so I know that it's obviously it's going to be a white woman so then it's just like in my brain based on you know child life experience it makes more sense for me to do this because it's safe for me to get a job in that way so like that concept shouldn't even exist um but it does and then I would say um now that I you know do my own things it really doesn't matter what my um hair is because people that work with me obviously it's like my hair is not going to determine the quality of my work <laughs> um for some reason that's in some people's consciousness um but yeah I think that that pretty sums sums it up now because you have to have that awareness and again you probably seen your your friends counterparts which most some of them are white i'm not sure uh like does anybody really other than yourself does anybody uh, within your circle ever has to ever ask you or is aware of that that you have to go through all of these things just because of the color of your skin like like again i agree thinking that what kind of hair you're going to wear because of they don't want you to think certain that it's it's ridiculous. It's it's the most silliest thing. But a lot of people wouldn't know that. Like, would everybody? Did you have people that related to that, or would you have to deal that on your own? Um. Well, because I have sisters, like we've had to go through similar things, and I feel like every um, most women of color or if you're mixed and you have a certain texture you've gone through the like straightening your hair to death phase and then you realize you come to the light and realize that you need to stop <laughs> so um like I've had um I've been able to like guide my younger sister and my older sisters guided me on like how to deal with those scenarios but I would say majority of my life most of my friends or the people that I've been around have been um Caucasian or Uh, mixed with certain things and I think I only can really think about um, like a handful of people that have actually been of color that's been my friends when I was younger um, but as I'm in my adult years it's been a lot different so I'd say now um, it's it's kind of like it's only a topic that comes up when I'm 
in certain entrepreneur programs um, or if I'm being asked to consult on something for specifically BIPOC individuals. Outside of that, there's no really, um, there's not really any conversations about it unless it's like a meme on the internet that I share. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it usually it's memes like, and then I get the, uh, I, usually when I put like memes or jokes on the internet or on Twitter, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you have to go through that. I'm like, oh, no, no kidding. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, who would do that? And you're like, it, it happens more than you think. So it, it, it's definitely funny. And at least you had a support system, which is great. A lot of people don't have that support system with your sisters that you can like, oh, okay. And now, and again, like you said, you're you're kind of telling your younger sister, like, okay, here's what you could do. And and I think that's important because a lot of people may not have that. And they might find themselves in a in a whirlwind of like, wow, like I, I can't believe I have to do this to get a job, or I can't believe I have to do this to consult somebody, or somebody might feel uncomfortable if I go with a in a business meeting with dreads, like people would feel uncomfortable, which is which is again, it's silly, but it it, it does happen. So uh, going back to Corner Butte, Newfoundland, like, so you spend there two years and do you go to school there or? or um, I was there for four. So I worked for two and then I went to school for two. And what did you took at, what did you took in? in uh, business marketing. Oh, okay, cool. So what made you go to that route? Like what, what, what made you consider going to that field? Um, like I was also always a little entrepreneur. So I've had like a business when I was in grade five. I had a business when I was in grade eight and I had a business when I was in grade 12. And like, I was pretty, I was pretty ruthless as a 10 year old. <laughs> um, like, okay, so, so what, what, what kind of business you had, at, what kind of business you had when you were a kid? Like, give us so some like, of that. Like, what did you? When I was 10, um, I, one of my friends had these little, stretchy bracelet things and I figured out how to make them into more like complex things that wrap around your hands and things but she didn't want them so I took them off her hands and I didn't have any overhead costs in um you know in the in the product um so I'd make those and sew them and I would sell them for 10 to 15 cents a piece you know that was that was a mint back in the day <laughs> you know 10 years old that was money you and were like yes <laughs> And, you know, I was just saving it for my, like, chocolate addiction. Um, so I was just selling these bracelets, and I would track my money, how much I was making every week. And I had this little little office underneath the stairs at my uh, parents' house. Um, and then my business got, like, it exploded. It was getting too busy, so then I had to hire my friends um, in order to help me make the bracelets but I didn't want to pay them money because I wanted to keep the money so at the, at the time my dad worked at he works at Cadbury but at the time they were doing a lot of like gum stuff so he would always have like just a lot of gum for no reason and the kids at the time really loved the spicy red gum and I hated it so I would just take the gum that my dad had at home because nobody wanted it and I would bring it to school and that's how I would pay uh, my employees with gum so I had absolutely no overhead and I was just making bank <laughs> so how many employees did you have at what age this was when you were 10 yeah so how many um I would say I don't know like probably five to ten people like they would be like the I just remember I was back of the portable I was sitting on the stairs and I had my, my team sitting on the ground like <laughs> 
Wow. Wow, that, that is that is quite cool, actually. Well, uh, at least uh, hopefully you didn't have any people rebel and go on strike because they're like, we're not getting enough gum. <laughs> I did have What's that happen. I had that happen in the second business because the first, that one, um, the teachers found out that I was making, I was taking money from kids. <laughs> so they banned me from doing that business or whatever so then obviously like a couple weeks later I'm plotting for my next thing so then for some reason the 10 year old brains were like it made sense to them but I was also really in design and fashion so I would draw I still have all the notebooks I would draw all these different designs um, and I would give them the design and then I promised them that I would make the dress when or whatever it was when we were adults, they paid me for like a job that I wasn't going to do for like another 20 years. And I was like, whatever, it's working. Um, so they got the picture of the thing, the sign and the date of when I was going to, you know, make them uh, the thing. Um, oh, you're frozen there. Let me just wait to get back. Oh, you're no, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still here. Okay. Um, so, and then it got too intense because making the braces is totally different than actually designing a garment. So then I brought on my best friend at the time to be a, a co-partner. Um, and then she would help instruct the people and I had to approve the designs, but then apparently I was being too mean and I wasn't approving them at the rate that we needed and <laughs> whatever. So then, um, so then she tried to take over the business from me and take the employees but I was like the business is not going to run without me because it's all my designs so I was just like fine take it <laughs> wow so you had a and business you had a takeover yeah it was intense <laughs> that is so okay so you had the bracelets they, they shut you down because you, you because you were violating rules and regulations and the yeah. second business it's a takeover from your partner <laughs> yeah that is amazing and what did your parents say when you were going with all this money did they ever notice that you were like wait a minute where are you gonna get all this money from no i was i was like i was also like a painfully shy kid as well so it was like but I thrive in business. So it was like my outlet of creativity and things. So I just got home, act like everything was fine. But then I would like run down to my little office and I would have like my spreadsheets on the wall and the calculating how much money I'm making. <laughs> nice. So, okay. Did you save any of that money or did you just spend it on like kid stuff? I definitely just spent it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that's 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 pretty cool. Oh well, so so you definitely had an entrepreneurial spirit. So, how was college like? Like college was two years, so you 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 do what every young person does. You're like, okay, I'm tired of working. Uh, let me go to school. Let me either save. You save money, so I'm assuming you didn't. You 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 maybe took a loan or maybe took little loans, but paid most of it yourself. So so how was that that phase of your life? Um, college is no joke. Um, it was like eight to nine courses per semester. Like, damn, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, I'm glad that I did the two years though, because four years at school is not, it's not for me. I like learning, but I don't like 
the way that school is structured at all. That's just not how my brain works. Um, so I really had to like really focus to get through that. Um, <laughs> it was like, it was really demanding. Like I would be at school from like 7 a.m. to like 10 p.m. But I was also working part-time as well. Um, sometimes full-time depending on what was happening at work. Um, so I would say I was pretty strapped for time most of the time. And I like, I would say I learned practical skills of like showing up for yourself and like how to do a marketing plan, but literally anything else. Well, in some accounting stuff, that's been helpful, but everything else that I learned in college, I don't even know if, I don't even think I'm using it. <laughs> like most of the stuff that I'm doing now in business is like, I learned while I was doing it. So I think having the business marketing um, taught me how to show up as an entrepreneur. But other than that, I'm not really sure what I learned. <laughs> and it, it's the same thing with school, right? Like, like, I don't remember anything that I learned in school that portrayed real life. In fact, I, 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 I kind of, it kind of sucked because I, when I wasn't, when I got to be a grown adult, like living on my own, paying my own bills, I'm like, why didn't anybody teach me about rent? Like, <laughs> like, shouldn't this be something that people teach? Like, like rent, loan, credit cards, like, like this is stuff to use all the time. And they don't, none of that was taught to me in school. Like none of us, like, like, I think now they're doing a better job. I, I think Kids are learning how to do resumes. Kids are learning how to do things. That's from what I can see. Uh, but when I went to school, there was none of that. Nobody told me like, hey, you need to have a deposit and like you need to do this. And, and same thing with school. Like when you went to university, I think it's the same thing. A lot of things either they didn't tell me how to do or they, they're just obsolete now. Like like a lot of things that like you can just do on a computer. There's a software. There's something that you can that you can do automatically that you don't have to do anymore. Uh, so yeah, I do, I do agree with that. So, so you were, you said you were pretty strapped for time. You ever had any time? And again, not that there's Newfoundland is popping, but did you have time to like enjoy <laughs> or, or do something else besides work and study? Um, I'd say probably like, and I was never like a, one of the things I'm very happy about in, in regards to not going to university I never had to live res life. It's not my vibe. I was never, because, you know, most people between the ages of 17, probably even, yeah, definitely younger now, 17 to like 26, you know, y'all are mostly alcoholics, let's be honest. Um, but I never had that phase. So like, I probably went out like literally five times in my life um, and had a, and I had a beverage. But during that time, like, it was like eat, sleep, and breathe school. Um, and I did like, and I was painting. Like that's kind of like how I would distress was like painting or I'd go for hikes um, or I'd visit my nan or whatnot. I was like pretty vanilla <laughs> living my life in Newfoundland. <laughs> but how, how did you get to painting though? How did that became a thing? Um, I've always painted. Like I was the weird art kid in high school and of course they put the art room in the basement so you're like the weird basement dweller that's always working on your art um I did do sports and stuff so I was able to like sit at different tables and whatever um but I've always done art since I was a kid and like my older sister is a 
trained muralist. So she's always been in art and that inspired me to get into art. And then um, I kind of just figured out what I'm good at because obviously there's a lot of different modalities. Um, yeah, it's kind of just always been something that I did in like art class was a way for me to like really be extreme with um, what was happening in my brain. <laughs> so then when I went to business uh, marketing, it was like, it was so boring, but the places where I got to express myself creatively was like when we got to make up different products or make uh, marketing plans visually, um, that was that was fun. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. So that that's definitely something that uh, I I didn't. Uh, I like art myself, but I'm not a painter. Uh, I think I'm more like a I don't know. I can tell people what how to create it, but I cannot create it myself because it takes. I feel it takes uh, it. It's time consuming. That's one, and the second thing is like, I don't think people realize how hard it is to put something in your mind to get it like physically done in in, in a canvas. Like it, it could be done, but it, it takes it's, it takes certain certain type of skill. So that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting. So you get in school, you're you're you say you're pretty this quiet kid that you know you work and study. So you you finish school. What makes you say I need to get the hell out out of here and and go to <laughs> Halifax? Um. So at the time I was in. So there, I think it's most. Yeah, I think it's mostly. Um, Atlantic Canada? No, I think it's all over Canada, but there's a group called Enactus and it's in most universities and colleges. So Enactus is a group of like students that come together and then um, you pitch different ideas and how you can make social change or environmental impact or whatnot. Um, so I was the president of the Enactus team at um, my college and you go to Halifax or Toronto or whatever it is and you um, compete with the idea. Um, so I went to Halifax for like a weekend to go to this competition um, and I'd never been to Halifax before and I was only there for like literally 48 hours but I loved it um, and I was in the end of my schooling so I literally sold all my stuff um, and I was also trying to escape a relationship. <laughs> so I sold all my stuff. And then I was just like, well, like nothing, literally nothing's holding me here. And I can visit whenever. So I just sold all my stuff, hopped on a plane and uh, just started my life in Halifax in 2016. So you left because you wanted to also end a relationship. So what was that conversation like? Like, look, <laughs> I, I'm moving. So peace no, out. Like, like, well, like in summary, it was like, it was a pretty rough, I'm like, I was a very shy, timid, didn't have my voice yet, human. And he was very dramatic and emotional and like, very like, ragey, <laughs> I don't know. Um, So it was hard for me to like, say like, no, I don't want to move to BC or no, I don't do that because he had this whole plan. And I was like under the, I was definitely underneath that like uh, abusive mental trap in that space, but I knew that I needed to get out. And he got um, accepted to train for the RCMP in uh, Saskatchewan. So he left the province so that that gave me an opportunity to figure out what I want to do with my life. Um, but the plan was to go meet him in BC after he was done his training in six months. 
Um, but I was like, you know what? Nah. So just like, yeah, I'm going to move in a different direction. Um, so I like literally gave his family that was there. Here's all his things, sold him my stuff and then left. So he wasn't, he wasn't a happy camper about it, but, um, that was my only opportunity. So we did it. <laughs> so, and uh, I mean, uh, I'm sorry that you had to go to that, any type of abuse. I don't know if verbal, whatever it, it's, it's always bad. It doesn't really matter what it is. Uh, but like you found a way out but when did you realize that you were going to like a certain abuse on on that relationship that you needed to get out um I would like the way that I even ended up in the situation is pretty crazy because like I left a relationship and then I was living with myself living my bestest life going to school and then he came from like Europe for he was a biologist and then like he came back to Newfoundland to rekindle his relationship with his father and then his father tried to kill him like I don't know it was like a really weird scenario so then like I only knew him for like a month and then he needed somewhere to go for, I don't know why he didn't go to his aunt's but anyway he came to my place he had a couple things and then I was like well this man can't stay at my place because I barely know you <laughs> like you know but you can like stay here for the day or whatever um but then my landlord was like who's this guy and why is all this shit here so then he wanted to up my rent like six hundred dollars because apparently he was gonna move in and all this kind of stuff and I was like I don't know if you can legally do that <laughs> so, and then I was like in this weird like space of like I don't want this man to be homeless but like also like I need somewhere to live and then it was winter when this was happening. And then for some reason, the pipes burst and my apartment got flooded just out of the chaos. I don't know. So I had to move anyway. And I literally was only there for like four months. Like it was wild. And then found a new place. And then we just ended up living together, but it was supposed to be temporary. And then it lasted longer. And there we were. <laughs> Oh my God, um, so, so then when I was in that situation I think the the moment that I knew like this isn't gonna be great <laughs> um because he's a biologist he's very aware of like germs and how things are in the air and da 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 so he was like way beyond um anal about like cleaning and things and it was just like I could just clean the whole house but it wouldn't it would never be good enough like that sort of thing and so just like, yeah, I don't think I can really <laughs> do with that level of like intensity. Um, and then also he would like, he didn't, he was never physically abusive to me, but he would like, in order to deal with his anger issues, he would like go in the bathroom and like punch the bathtub. Like it was not, <laughs> I was like, something's a little rough here. And because of like the emotional I don't even know how we got here but anyway but with the emotional um manipulation it got to the point where like I wasn't I was starting to like disconnect from my family and my nan was like something's going on like you're not seeing me as much and yeah so then I noticed that like obviously there's something wrong but I think as someone that was like 19 years old and you think you're in love and stuff you like think that's a normal thing but I think a lot of people go through those situations, but it's like you learn over time, um, like what is healthy and what's not healthy. So there was definitely blaring red flags. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. And, and at, at least again, at least you realized it on time and, and you had an opportunity just to get out of the whole scenario. And I think with what you said, when you're young, you, you don't really think about those things. You, you think like everything is just happy and go lucky just because I think personally they teach us that. I think personally they teach us that, uh, especially in men and women, they like to women, they portray like you, you need to get this nice, charming guy that like, there's like a stereotype of person that you think you're supposed to be. And then you turn out, wait a minute, this guy seems like it. But then when you get to know, you're like, I don't really like this. And for men, it's, it's the same thing. They think like, you need to get this stereotype woman. And then once you get it, or, or you get something that you think is similar, then you're like, Ooh, like this might not be it. Uh, and, and again, some people realize it. Some people don't. Some people are like, oh, well, this is what I want. So so that's that's good that you were able to kind of realize and get out of that stuff, that relationship and get out of Newfoundland. No, shout out to Newfoundland. But I mean, come on now. Like, <laughs> like let, Let's be first. Let, let's be truthful there. Other than St. John's, anything else is just, I don't know. It's it's like a land. It's like land. That's it. It's like a bunch of land and mountains. So, <laughs> so you get to Halifax. You, you said you loved it. Like you get there, Halifax for me, it's a beautiful place. It it is a beautiful place. So, you get there, you move, and and what are your steps? What do you want to do there? Like you're you're in you're in a place that you've never been before. You 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 said living there. So what what's your goal at that point when you move there? Um, I. I made an executive decision as someone that just finished school and like, like I was working a lot from like when I, the moment I could work to the end of school. So I decided to take the summer off when I got there and I just, I just, this is the point where I started learning Adobe software. So I was like teaching myself animation. I was teaching myself graphic design and this is like the whole like showing up as an entrepreneur and creating a schedule and nobody tells you like how to do that that's just something that you have to learn over time because when you're in school or your work somebody tells you like you're going to be here at this time to this time but when you're when you have such freedom you have to make your own lines you have to figure out where you're going to be um, so i made myself almost every day for two months from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and just learn different programs and what I needed to do to have a business and all those sorts of things. And at the time, like school was school, school was done, but we had to do an internship internship for like 30 days somewhere that was related to our degree. Um, so I so I was working uh, as an in an internship at like this fancy suit store um, in Halifax. And I was doing the social media and like putting all the displays and stuff together. Um, so I was like doing that while I was also teaching myself um, different programs. And then <laughs> I don't know why my little self was doing this, but um, I started seeing someone, but then also that went into a a bad direction um, so then, um you know another fleeing situation um but it wasn't that dramatic because i just had to cross the bridge um but 
then I moved into a community home where I was introduced to yoga and Reiki and spirituality. So I blossomed in uh, my spiritual side when I um, started living at this community home. And when people ask me, like, what's a community home? They're like, what's going like what it's a little, what's going on it's a little sounds a little sus um so it's in this scenario it was just literally just like I think it's three or four one two four-story house and you know you rent you're literally renting a room but the the culture in the space it's very like everyone is for everyone um we make meals together, we go on adventures together, um, we do, you know, painting together, or we do yoga together, and it's very, like, family vibes, um, it's not like you rent a room, and you're by yourself forever, and you don't want to talk to anyone, <laughs> um, so I was doing that, and then when I, that's where I got introduced to Reiki, so I started doing my um, training, and I became a practitioner, um, actually pretty early once I got into um, Halifax and of course you know there's different levels of Reiki so it took me like five years to get my master's but um, yeah we kind of just practitioner life struggled there for a second and then we realized oh yeah we did this marketing and we know how to design things um, so then I opened up another uh, business so I was doing my Reiki and that was interesting just circling back to the person of color thing um I was like the only person of color doing Reiki healing in Halifax at the time that I knew of um so that was like intense because I was plastering my face everywhere um so it was like really daunting because I was new to the game new to the city um and was just hoping for the best <laughs> <laughs> that that is something and and, and the going back to the community home thing i know because uh uh i i knew about kibbutz which is in israel that's the part like that was an experiment of community home uh and that's what they do and i you know i i'm seeing this uh this series about uh a startup called we work that the guy was living in a kibbutz in israel but i knew before so when you said community home i was going to explain it but you explained it perfectly that it's a it's you rent the room uh and people live like it's a family like the like people make meals people you know some people in depending on the community home some people even have families there like they have like their children and everybody takes care of the children as well everybody takes care of each other as well so that that i do know uh i, I was familiar with the with the community home i didn't know there was one in halifax uh i they might be one here in i'm in moncton new brunswick but i'm not 100 sure Uh, but that's that's kind of interesting because that's how I kind of noticed you because you were putting all these yoga videos and all this spirituality videos. And for me, it, it was that. It's like I'd never seen a black person or a person of color doing it in, in Atlantic Canada. Uh, and again, I'm used to the festivals and used to the, how I call it, hippies and tree huggers and people that are like, and, and you kind of notice that it's like, oh, there's a lot of white people like, like like maybe this is not a black thing because I, i say black people don't camp that's like <laughs> like <laughs> you're never gonna see it, it's kind of weird you're not gonna see a hundred black people in a campground that's not gonna happen <laughs> like it, it's just not a thing you may see one and they're just trying it out but black people are like no uh 
I'm from the suburbs. Give me a nice hotel. Not, not doing so. <laughs> so I saw you doing that. And that's how I kind of noticed. Because I saw a video. I think somebody shared it. And I added you on Facebook. And I was like, oh. So I think that's now that I get to know you, I see that you you know a lot about branding. Because I know you did a lot of videos. You did you did a lot of them. Like what spirituality and healing and stuff like that. And I was like, whoa, this is... Uh, this is quite interesting. So what did, what did you learn from that? Like what got you into that phase? Like what, what do you think is a, what the rewarding or, or was it something that you wanted to try it out? Or is it something that you may say like, oh, this is cool. I want to do it. Like what, what, what motivated you to go in that route? Um, in the spirituality or into branding? Well, the branding is comes from the marketing part, but the spirituality part actually. Um. I would say most people that don't have any level of community or spiritual practice or yoga practice or meditation practice, um, if they don't do anything that's like brings them into their body, um, they're kind of just floating around and like there's a there's something missing, like there's a, some level of connection that isn't there. Um, so when I left those relationships and started getting into yoga, I had many moments of, I don't even know who I am or what I'm connected to or what makes me feel alive. Um, so when I got into Reiki, um, in summary, you know, it opens up the different energy systems, the chakras in your body, and that connects to different organs and your senses and all those things in your nervous system. So when I got attuned it was like all of my senses turned on. I could actually hear, I can actually taste. It was like, oh, this is what being alive is like. And when I like had that moment, it was just like, I knew that I could go deeper um, in understanding who I was and how I'm, um, how I'm embodying the Mariah personality, if, if you will. So as I went through my Reiki training and I, realize what meditation can actually do and how you're you're literally creating your life with your thoughts um you know that's all the rage now it's all over every meme and every post and da 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 but when you really think about it it is actually true and what my practices have done whether it's reiki or sound healing or kundalini yoga it makes me very conscious in the present moment of how my words is actually making my reality and you can see like a very direct um path to thought need to it landing in front of you and um like it can be small things of like yes literally yesterday I was like I ran out of maple syrup I should get some and I didn't but then my roommate went to a farm and like brought home like gallons of maple syrup but she had no idea like that was a thought I had in my head it's just like something simple as that to um, I have this really grand idea for me, for my first fashion show for my line, because um, I channel symbols and things, but the symbols are on the clothing and the, I'm making an album that that is reflective of the symbols because all the symbols make different, I channel and like can read symbols into sounds and vice versa. And I'm like, well, where am I going to get the opportunity to like do this? Because of course I can just like, choose the location, da, da, da. But then um, I had a meeting with another business called Femme Entity. 
and they want me to do a 45 minute talk at the Discovery Center. I think it's Discovery Center in this dome where I get to then create my visual art piece with the sounding in a dome, <laughs> wearing my stuff. And they're just like, here's a platform. So it's like when you have a, a practice or a meditation that connects you to you, to you it's like, it's kind of like you're creating this um, direct manifestation loop um, and you are in control of that. And of course, there's still mystery to the human life, but you have a lot more gauge on how that's going to look like on, on a daily basis. Oh, that, that sounds pretty deep. The, that definitely sounds uh, like pretty deep stuff. And the how does that reflect on, on your other endeavors? Like, what do you think that gave you that you're doing towards what you're doing now? Like, you still do, but you now you're doing branding, you're doing consulting, you're doing like a clothing line. Uh, what do you think that spirituality uh, gave you to you know, to improve as a person and, and as a career woman or, or as a business person? Um, well, my spiritual practices and my understandings and my teachings is the basis of who I am and how I operate. So the, I would say the literally the only reason besides me being good at my job um, for people to work with me consistently or get these gigs in different places because of the magnetism of myself of what I'm putting out in the world my content but my core values and um, why I'm creating so when I'm working with someone for creating their brand it's like of course there's logistics of like what it looks like in the colors but I weave in spirituality in all of the consulting sessions we go through what the feeling of every color is we go into what this what's this going to mean in five years as you go through your own evolution is the petal of the flower resonant to um to the the abundance of what you're bringing into your business i do a lot of symbolism work and then i also am very intuitive because of all of my training so what i do is i literally like pick up the essence of that human and we might have to do a kundalini yoga set open your nervous system we might have to do meditation i might have to do some sound healing on you to get you aligned but i'm picking up a very visual download of what the brand needs to be so i just like pick it up see it all in my mind and as you said before it's a certain set of skills but i can take all that visual and then just draw it like no problem so all of my training and my meditation and my intuitive abilities allows me to see what that brand needs to be on a visual and a visceral level um, for that person or for the consumer to um, have that resonance with that person. And then they ground it. And then when I have, like we have the whole brand and the visuals and stuff, the person that I'm building this for then has an emotional response and connection to the brand. So every time they give a card or they show some of their website, it's like, they're embodying their brand because they're they were there for the entire emotional mental spiritual um uh, evolution of that brand so i create a level of depth and connection um, through my own work and make my clients understand um, what it feels like to have depth in their own creation 
Oh, that's pretty cool. And and for those people that don't know what brand consulting is, uh, and I'm gonna let you explain it. Uh, you know, when you get a when people think about brand consulting, sometimes they think it's a bit of uh there's a term called yoga babble which is just people talking stuff but really it's i think i agree with what you say you know like when you see brands it most most good brands represent what the founder is or what like what the emotion is of that so when you think about apple and you think about steve jobs you think about like the simplicity the beauty and stuff like that but that was him that was actually what he wanted to portray uh and that's going back to what i said i think uh one of the things that it's hard to do, it's portraying physically what you have in the mind, which I think that's what painting does. Painting is it's incredible what people paint because they, they're able to translate that. Uh, but going back to you, like, what would you say to somebody that doesn't know what brand consulting is? How would you describe it in a simple term? Uh, I would say, um, so my personal slash business slogan is embodied wealth and I would say when we're talking about branding it's a distilled embodiment of who's running the business so when you see the brand you should be able to feel who they are and what they represent um, and you need to live and breathe the brand but sometimes you need a third perspective to help you understand what that even means or what it even feels like to um, to feel who you are because if you know who you are, then your brand is going to be a lot clearer. Um, so every time I walk into a space or I talk about what I do um, or, your, you know, my little background or whatever, people know, like, she's into the brand because I literally don't leave the house or don't even own anything um, that's not white, pink or blue. Those are the colors. I have a, you know, very long story reason why I do that. Um, but that's that's why my brand and my business does so well because I'm literally embodying um, the depth of why I do what I do. Oh, that's that's pretty cool, and I and I do see that because I do. I remember when you were doing uh, all your y yoga and said so they were all white. You were always in white, and that was that was pretty cool. That's that's something that I can remember, and that's what a brand is. You remember what what that is, and mm -hmm. I think that that is a pretty that's a pretty important thing. So. You're a consultant, you have a clothing brand and you have a, a, a lot of things going on as an entrepreneur or a business person. What do you think the hardest part has been uh, in this journey? Um, I would say there's definitely like I'm in this part right now where you're like in this transition where you're like, I everything that I've ever done has brought me here and I have endless skills and I know like where I'm going, but there's always a transitional period where you're like, what a, what's going on? Like everything's trying to figure itself out. And right now I'm like ending two big branding contracts while I'm also running a fashion show in Halifax at, at the end of the month um, while I'm working on this and everything kind of feels... Um, like it's figuring itself out, but I don't have like a, a clear path um, because I'm also going to be bouncing back and forth between provinces. So there's this part in your entrepreneur journey or your business journey where you go through transition of evolution, um, but you don't know what you're turning into. <laughs> you're just hoping for the best, but you have the skills in order to get you through, but you have no idea what it's going to look like um, 
on the other side. Yeah, I, I can I can contest to that. It's uh, I think it's part of the journey. I, I would say like it's it. You think it's gonna go one way, but it goes a totally different other direction, and and you never know. It may it may be the, the same direction. Who knows? But I think I think you're parting that journey. So, uh, I have two last questions. First of all, we're gonna talk about this clothing line and the show that you have in Halifax. So, tell us a little bit about that. Um, yes. Yeah, so my business is contracted with the Bus Stop Theater. Um, so I guess it's going on like three years now. I guess um where I ran I was helping run a show with someone um but then that person ducked out so then I had to take over and like we didn't really make any money but the show still went really well and the setup of what that show was was exactly what a program um, at the bus stop theater was trying to do um, so I forget what it was. It was like start, start. No, it was like startup or I don't know what it was. But they're like, hey, did you want to like run this thing at the bus stop theater? And I was like, sure. So then I go and have a meeting. They're like, you can come up with the name. You can do the branding. You're in charge of all the things. Um, and I'm like, sure. So they pay me a lot of money, and they're like, just here's money to pay yourself. And for artists, we need six events for artists, choose how much you want to pay them. We need it to be in the theater. It needs to be recorded um, or a live event. So I think we're on what season, is this season two or season three? I think it's season two. Um, so the last over COVID we just did live stream. So I would, we would do a call out, artists would come in, I would videotape them, edit it while pretty and then we would stream it live because now COVID is doing what COVID's doing, we can have a live event. Um, so I chose to do a fashion show uh, because we haven't done that art artist type yet. Um, so we have three designers, one-off design, uh, Chokers and Change and D DP Pearls. Uh, so we have three designers and I don't know, I think we're at like 28 models. I think that's how many models we have right now. Because one of the designers is like, I need a model for every shirt and thing. So, um, so we have um, that running on the 24th from six to eight. Um, and it's like kind of futuristic vibes in the branding. Um, and I'm running it remotely right now. So the logistics to run a live fashion show is pretty intense, um, but we have a small team um, supporting in the social media running and all those sorts of things. Um, so it's like my way to um, support local designers because I know what it's like being a, a designer coming up. Um, also, one of the designers is my seamstress. Um, so support her because she just dropped a bunch of things and uh, launched her website. Um, so I get to plan this out and then know exactly how I want to run it when I come out with my clothing line. Um, so it's a whole new thing that I've never done, um, but we're hoping for the best. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that that's still pretty, that's real pretty cool. So, I mean, just, just keep that up. I mean, it, it sounds interesting. So I think people should go and check it out. And my last question to you is, uh, what do you means for you to be black in the Maritimes? 
Um, what does it mean? I feel like most of my life, I try, I've tried to not bring my race into things. Um, because like, as a mixed person, you're like, I don't really know what I am. I'm just a mixture of things. Um, and most people are, but of course there's a prominent um, visual cue. Um, I would say now it's a weird dance between taking opportunities because they're gonna benefit you, but also knowing that like, you may or may not be only getting it because you're black. Um, <laughs> it's a really weird dance of um, respecting yourself, knowing your worth, but also like, you know what? They need a black girl. So I guess we're going to go and do that. Um, so yeah, I would say it's kind of a, a dance. <laughs> it's a dance <laughs> of respecting yourself and knowing what opportunities um, you do need to take advantage of. Um, and I know um, recently you got asked to be on the board at INOVA Credit Union. Um, so that's, you know, that was like cool to be appointed for that. But I also know low key, um, they had some people that were BIPOC leave the board. Um, and I have a relationship with the bank and I also own a business. So obviously I fit the criteria um, regardless of race, but obviously my color was helpful um, in, in getting appointed. So it always kind of rubs me a little, a little, <laughs> a little way, <laughs> um, but this is just where we are because people are, um, we're in a really weird time in society right now where we're trying to make sure that we're inclusive and we're, we're diverse, but we're, sometimes we're being so extreme with it that we're actually like not putting the right people in certain positions um, because we're trying to fill the hole. So I'm always making sure of like, am I actually qualified for this um, or they just need somebody of, of color? And I know that I am qualified for certain things, but it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird place to exist. And just one note that's coming up is I remember when like the Black Lives Matter thing was happening like more prominently in, in the social media and everyone and their mother was like, let's support the black businesses. And it was just like, and I remember being tagged on like everything. I was like, I've never heard of you before. I don't even know you, do you even know me? Like, and, and my biggest issue with that was like, some of these businesses were obviously amazing, but like they were just starting and then the amount of people buying product, whether they wanted the product or not, was great for them financially, but then it actually like made them have to go out of business because then they couldn't keep up with their own growth. Um, so there's, there's a balance to trying to support businesses, but also be aware of like, you can't just blow people up if they're not ready for it. Um, either and I had to actually start telling people like yeah I did a logo for you like four years ago and you never talked to me so please don't shout me out because like that's not even reflective of my work right now so please stop <laughs> I, I can relate to that I mean I, I think uh, it, it's it's a it's like I said I think it's a bit of a dance because it's like 
I think that's part of it. Like for so many years, people of color have been kind of neglected. And then when the all of a sudden something big happens, like butt legs matter, like George Floyd, they're like, oh, this been happening to you. So let me do it. And then it's like an overflow of things. And you're, I think I agree with you. I think it's a, it's when you get an overflow, you're like, is this really like, like up for this? Or this is like, like, again, I think Martin Luther King said that, you know, you want to judge people by their character, not by their color. Uh, but I, Unfortunately, we don't live in that world. Uh, I, I mean, I hope we do someday, but uh, we don't live in it. So I think there is, there is kind of a, a bit of a, uh, you know, perception and versus expectation and also versus what you can actually, what you're doing at the moment, right? So that, that, that definitely, yeah. So, so that's, that is pretty cool. So if people want to find you and what you're doing, where, where do they go to? Um, Ryan Pelly Smith dot com mariah.pellysmith on the gram um literally if you just type my name in google um we're pretty we're, we're on the google mariah pelly smith p-e-l-l-e-y smith <laughs> so mariah pelly i said pearly the, at the beginning so sorry about that uh so mariah pelly thank you very much this, is, this was really interesting and you know i, I wish you the best and uh, again, if you need anything from this platform, it's always open to you. So it, it was pretty cool talking to you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. No problem. So guys, uh, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get. Uh, subscribe, donate on Patreon. Check us out on blackandthemaritimes.com. Anywhere you go, social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Black and the Maritimes. Peace out.